Welcome back to TBD with Yvette and Yayo. I hope you got super hyped with the song uh, we just heard, which is Childish Gambino's This Is America. Yes, what a, what a song, honestly. Like, I remember when that song came out and like all of the stuff that people were talking about good reactions bad reactions but i just was like so mesmerized by it you know and really the power of music yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah i i really like it and i also have a huge crush on on donald glover so oh yeah <laughs> there's that oh yeah <laughs> he's, he's so cute he's so adorable i love him and he's so talented <laughs> Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yes, so today we are going to be talking about protest music or songs of dissent, however you want to call it. So, yes, we're going to talk about some tunes that um, artists have released to talk about current events or make political statements. Protest music aims to send a social message or to make a change. And they're usually associated with a movement or a current event or something going on. And what I like about songs of protest is that it's a it's a peaceful way to protest, right? You're not using violence. You're just using music and lyrics to send a message to someone. And it's perfect because it speaks to people's hearts. At least for me, it does. Yeah, um... I also think it's like a very appropriate theme considering the times we are living in um, and just how music can play such an important role in talking about things or bringing issues to light that are hard for people to talk about or discuss. And like you said, you know, it really touches like 
the cord inside you and it can like bring a lot of comfort yeah definitely so yeah viva la resistencia (laughs) yeah and it's also great that um celebrities are using their popularity to bring attention to issues i think that's great i feel like a lot of artists or celebrities don't like to take stances on issues because it'll affect their images but i mean to those people who don't give a fuck and just speak their mind and want to use their influence their power as an influencer to influence others (laughs) i think that's pretty great so we are just gonna jump right into it today um actually no before we jump into it yeah yo how are you (laughs) i am trudging through (laughs) um you know the universe is sending me little nudges um doors are closing others are opening and just sort of trying to embrace the waves of change you know (laughs) Uh, which can be very overwhelming but also very hopeful um yeah yeah and i'm just really happy to be able to have music number one which really just like helps me out so much to just be able to listen to some music but also to have like friends and family that can really help me out when i get overwhelmed (laughs) so shout outs to all those people who have been hearing me bitch and moan this week and also cry but also then express so much happiness and excitement <laughs> um well, that's cool yeah how well, are you scary yeah uh yeah i'm okay sorry <laughs> i was gonna say that uh change is a scary thing but it's also a good thing like i personally like change just because I'm someone who gets bored easily, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm constantly looking for different things, and I don't know, man, with, like, being stuck indoors and, like, everything is so stagnant and boring, just, it's driving me crazy. Uh, so I am excited for just any little change that comes my way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but other than that, I'm okay. I'm good. I'm working from home still i don't know when that's gonna end probably never uh haven't been up too much googling content for this podcast (laughs) (laughs) and also just making playlists i feel like i make a playlist at least once a week yeah that's what i've been doing nice music work and running here and there um but yeah i'm getting old I'm getting old and my knees hurt. <laughs> it's okay. We're all getting old. <laughs> no one escapes that one. I know, but it's like manifesting itself physically. Like <laughs> My knees are literally like, stop it. <laughs> uh, I need to get a knee brace or something. <laughs> With all that being said, uh, let's go ahead and jump into our first song.
Yo no canto por cantar Ni por tener buen amor Canto porque la guitarra Tiene sentido y razón Tiene corazón de tierra las de palomita es como el agua bendita santigua gloria si ves aquí se encajó mi canto como dijera violeta guitarra trabajador estrellas que el canto tiene sentido cuando palpiten las venas del que morirá cantando las verdades verdaderas no las lisonjas puras las famas extranjeras sino el canto de una lonja hasta el fondo de la tierra Manifiesto, and it is by Victor Jara from the album Tiempos Que Cambian, released in 1974. 
And you cannot talk about protest music without talking about Victor Jara. And yeah. uh, especially in Latin America. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Victor Jara was a Chilean singer songwriter. Uh, he was born in 1932 to farm working parents. Um, and he started working in, in the fields to help support his family from the age of six. And Hara uh, was influenced a lot by his mother, Amanda. And he actually sings a song to her, which is very, very beautiful. Um, and she used to perform and sing traditional folk songs at local functions like weddings and funerals. Um, yeah, and Hara, um, while he was at the university, La Universidad de Chile in Santiago, he got involved with university theater programs. Um, where he became involved in these community centers called Peñas, um, where they would do a lot of, like, plays that were about social themes. Um, and he also became involved in El Movimiento de la Nueva Canción in Latin America, which was sort of like a social movement and a music genre that, like, was characterized by its folk styles and socially committed lyrics yeah and at the university that's where he like got really into music and into these social issues and started like making his own music basically talking about what was going on in chile at the time and his first album uh canto a lo humano uh was released in 1966 and he would really antagonize like conservative chileans and he wasn't afraid to talk about them in his lyrics um, and so he was banned from many radio stations and his records were like removed from shops and he even got beat up a couple times for like singing about like these people and what they were doing. Um, you know, but he was very popular amongst the young progressives. Um, and he was a really big supporter of Salvador Allende, who was the first, um, democratically elected socialist president in Latin America um, and he actually wrote the song that was like part of his campaign um, I don't remember what the name of the song is but uh, he yeah he wrote it <laughs> on September 11th 1973 uh, there was a coup d'etat of the by the Chilean army um, which removed Allende from power and put Pinochet um, who was a dictator up until the 90s in Chile, into power. Um, and when that happened, basically, they rounded up, like, everyone who was part of the socialist movement or who were, like, not, you know, supporting Allende. Um, and this, and during, like, the next couple of years or, like, many years, um, you know, they rounded up these people and basically... And Victor Jaramo was among these people, and he was taken into El Estadio Chile, um, where he was tortured and beaten over the next several days. Um, and then he was shot to death, basically, and his body was displayed in front of the stadium for other prisoners to see. Um, that is insane. Yeah, I when I was reading about him, I was listening to his music while I was reading about him, Mm -hmm. And when I was reading it, I, like, literally had to p 
pause and like cry. I literally cried because it was just so sad, you know, yeah. and <laughs> I know. It was very I'm gonna, aggravating. I'm going to give a very graphic description right now. Uh, there's like several accounts apparently that say that while he was being tortured, he continued singing his songs. And yeah. apparently, like, they broke his arms and then they amputated them. And he was still singing his songs. Like, they literally had to shut shut him up by shooting him. I don't know. That was just such a strong image. And it, I mean, he sang until his last breath. He wrote his final poem, which is called Estadio Chile, while he was in, in captivity. Um, and... It's a really beautiful poem. It's like talks about like his it's basically the last thing he wrote while he was in captivity and the poem itself is like how can I sing when I must sing of horror, horror which I'm living, horror which I'm dying, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. And um to see myself among so much and so many people and so many moments of infinity in which silence and screams are the end of my song. But there's this really there's also a documentary on Netflix which I ended up um, watching and which anyone can watch it's called Masacre en el Estadio I know it sounds like really like not appealing <laughs> uh, it sounds like a scary movie but it's basically the story of his death and then how in recent years um, well over the course of many years but his wife Joan has been trying to get justice for his murder um and only in the last few years did they really start making movements in the case. So you can really, like, if anyone wants to watch that, like, you'll really learn a lot about, like, the circumstances surrounding his death. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Victor Jara is, like, revered by so many artists, like, around the world. Um, and his music is really, like, speaks to the, like, truth to power. Um, and he really sang a lot about... Um, Working people, uh, obreros, you know, um, not like the middle class, but like really like poor people because he like lived in poverty himself and he really knew these people, you know, and his music is just very, very beautiful. It's a lot of it. It's just him and his guitar. <laughs> um, yeah, and this song I chose Manifiesto. There were so many songs I, I could have chosen, but I chose this one because I feel like it really talks about... Um, how he saw music and the power of it um and you know he, the lyrics it, themselves it's like I don't sing because I have a good voice <laughs> you know I sing because um of the power of the guitar like it has a uh, rhyme and reason um it's like holy water and it can like heal um sorrows you know um and it's just such a beautiful song. And I feel like this was his. And I love the last lyrics too. Canto que ha sido valiente siempre será canción nueva. Like song that is brave will always be a new song. Um, and I just really, really loved that, you know. Um, yeah. And this song w was actually released, was part of the last album, which was incomplete because he was murdered. Uh, so it was released after he died basically yeah and so. i also think that last lyric is a nod in general to the nueva canción chilena which he is mm -hmm. popular for um like you said earlier 
And I read somewhere that Violeta Parra took him under her wing and basically like created a space for him to be able to write music and become the musician that he is. So thank you, Violeta Parra, for that. Um, <laughs> if you don't know who Violeta Parra is, look her up. She is just as important as Victor um, Jara. He, she is known as the mother of Latin American folk. Um, and I really wanted to bring one of her songs into the podcast, but I felt that it was going to be like too similar to Victor Jara. So we will not be talking about her, but <laughs> this is why I'm bringing her up. <laughs> um, yeah. So, and he so. bring she, he mentions her in the song too. He, the lyric says, um, como dice Violeta or something like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, como dijera Violeta. Yeah. So yeah, she, I read that too. Um, she was like a big uh, influence for him, for sure. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, these are like two of Chile's most important songwriters. So check them out. Victor Hara is gonna be hard to follow. Okay, uh, let's go to our next song. Apenas nos pusimos en dos pies Comenzamos a migrar por la sabana Siguiendo la manada de bisontes Más allá del horizonte A nuevas tierras lejanas Los niños a la espalda y expectantes Los ojos en alerta, todo oídos Olfateando aquel desconcertante Paisaje nuevo, desconocido Somos una especie en viaje No tenemos pertenencias Sino equipaje Vamos con el polen en el viento Estamos vivos porque estamos En movimiento Estamos quietos, somos trashumantes Somos padres, hijos, nietos y bisnietos de inmigrantes Es más mío lo que sueño que lo que toco Yo no soy de aquí Pero tú tampoco Yo no soy de aquí Pero tú tampoco De ningún lado del Atravesamos desiertos, glaciares, continentes El mundo entero de extremo a extremo Empecinados, supervivientes El ojo en el viento y en las corrientes La mano firme en el remo Cargamos con nuestras guerras, nuestras canciones de cuna Nuestro rumbo hecho de versos, de migraciones, de hambrunas Y así ha sido desde siempre, desde el infinito Fuimos la gota de agua viajando en el meteorito Cruzamos galaxias, vacíos, milenios Buscábamos oxígeno Encontramos sueños Apenas nos pusimos en dos pies Y nos vimos en la sombra de la hoguera 
Escuchamos la voz del desafío Siempre miramos al río Pensando en la otra ribera Somos una especie en viaje No tenemos pertenencias Sino equipaje Nunca estamos quietos Somos trashumantes Somos padres, hijos, nietos Y bisnietos de inmigrantes Es más mío lo que sueño Que lo que toco Yo no soy de aquí Pero tú tampoco Yo no soy de aquí That was Movimiento by Jorge Drexler uh, from his album Salvavidas de Hielo. It came out in 2017. And I love, 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 love this song. And I love that entire album. When it first came out, I had it on repeat. And everyone around me basically had to learn the songs. Because <laughs> I couldn't stop listening to him. Um, a little bit about Jorge Drexler. He is from Uruguay. And he, his father is a German Jew who fled to Uruguay during the Holocaust. And his mother was a doctor from Spain who also, um, she migrated to Uruguay. So that's why he was born there. And both of his parents are doctors. And so is Jorge. Which I thought was really interesting that he's a doctor. But he did, he wasn't like one of those people who, he's been doing music his whole life. But he kind of didn't think like this is what I'm gonna dedicate my life to and he started becoming a little more serious about music later in his life and he stopped being a doctor I mean I don't know if you can stop being a doctor I guess you can <laughs> stop practicing medicine <laughs> you're a doctor forever <laughs> <laughs> and he committed to music and we have all of these great songs now and a little bit more about him, he gained international popularity and made history in 2005 when he received the first Oscar for Best Original Song Ever awarded to a Spanish-language tune. Uh, the name of the song is Al Otro Lado del Rio, and it came out in um, the Motorcycle Diaries soundtrack. Uh, the Motorcycle Diaries, is, uh, it's about Che Guevara's life. Yeah, uh, I've seen that movie. If you haven't seen it, yeah, it's pretty great. So he wrote the song for for the movie, but he was robbed of his moment at the Oscars because uh, because he's not he wasn't famous or recognized or like a celebrity. The Academy didn't allow him to perform his own song, so Antonio Banderas performed it along with uh, Carlos Santana, who was playing the guitar. Wow. Uh, the, yeah, so they didn't allow him to perform his own song, which was really fucked up. Uh, and he ended up winning, so it, it was an even like bigger, like, wow, you really didn't let this dude sing his song. <laughs> uh, if you have a chance to look up the video on YouTube, look it up. I love, I love watching this clip on YouTube. So it's basically Prince presenting him <laughs> with the award. 
he walks up to the stage, uh, kneels down to Prince, because, like, it's Prince, (laughs) (laughs) and walks up to the mic and starts singing his own fucking song. Yes! Yes! He sings, like, a couple of verses, and everyone starts clapping, and it was, like, his little fuck you to the Academy. Who didn't allow him to sing his own song. He gave no speech, no nothing. He just sang his song, said thank you, and left the stage. Ah, uh, I'm so glad he did that. Oh, my God. Talk about protesting. Yes. <laughs> yes, I love it. I love it. It was such a plain, such an easy way to protest, like you know what, I'm just going to sing a little bit of my own fucking song. And what I love about the clip, too, is um, when they're announcing the the nominees for the category, like, Prince was reading, uh, like, the people being nominated. Like one, I The one I remember being nominated was the song from Shrek, Accidentally in Love. <laughs> and you know how they, um, they mention all the people who wrote the song and the music? Uh-huh. And each song had, like, six, seven people as uh, co-writers and whatever. And Jorge Drexler's was the only song where he did the music and lyrics. Yes, so check that video out. If you ever find yourself, like, completely bored, cannot sleep, then I would recommend looking up Antonio Banderas and Carlos Santana's (laughs) performance. Of Al Otro Lado del Rio. Oh my god. Have some tissues ready or some towels because your ears are going to fucking bleed. It was terrible. He does not sing for a reason. I was gonna say (laughs) when you said that Antonio Banderas sang the song, I was like, why? He's an actor. He's not a singer. I know. I just literally right now because I was thinking Shrek for the other song. I just literally thought of Puss in Boots. Yeah! <laughs> I was like, you got Puss in Boots to sing the song? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Terrible. <laughs> you know, I kind of want people to watch it now. <laughs> first, first, listen to Jorge Dexter's version of Al Otro Lado del Rio, and then listen to uh, the one at the Academy Awards. It was so, so shitty. Ugh, whatever. Next. Uh, but back to the song, back to Movimiento. Movimiento uh, means movement, and it pays uh, homage or homage to the immigrant in all of us because we're basically the message of the song is we're all alive because we are in motion, right? Mm. And I was reading interviews uh, where he says, like, my grandfather was born in Poland, but lived in Germany. My father was born in Berlin, but migrated to Uruguay. I was born in Montevideo, I meaning Jorge, uh, was born in Montevideo, Uruguay, and currently living in Spain. My son was born in Madrid, and he lives in England. So, like, we all come from a specific place. Mm -hmm. But we're not from that specific place. We just keep moving. And it's always going to be like that, you know? So when the song starts, he basically says, as soon as we knew how to walk, we moved through the savannah. So he's talking about, we've been migrating since the beginning of times. Why are you trying to make this illegal? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
we always move we always will move because like i said earlier life is motion it's movement it's you know Mm -hmm. that's how everything is born even though it's like a song of of dissent it has like such a positive message to it it's it's shining a light on the beautiful things that migration brings about and if you have a chance please look up the music video the music video features Lorena Ramirez. She's a runner from Mexico's indigenous Taromara slash Raramuri community. Raramuri means the light-footed or those who run well. And she gained a lot of notoriety when she won a 100K ultra marathon race that she ran basically in sandals made from recycled tire rubber and a homemade dress, which was the traditional garments that the Raramuri people wear. So she didn't have no Nikes on. (laughs) She didn't have any, like, I don't know, Lululemons with extra stretch pants. Uh, (laughs) She just did it with the clothes that she lives with and works with. Um, And it's basically her running on land. And I don't know. I thought it was awesome that he chose her to start in his video because she's she's like a young 20 something year old she's in her early 20s yeah she's 25 now yeah so yes i love this song i love jorge drexler um check him out man he is he's cute (laughs) (laughs) thanks yvette i'm totally gonna look up all those videos later (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes honestly at this point you just have to look up the Antonio Banderas performance because it's so shitty <laughs> I like how when he when Jorge goes up to the stage to sing his own song the the people from that were recording the Oscars like immediately zoom in on um, Antonio's face and Santana's <laughs> You guys created the drama, and now... (laughs) I'm definitely going to watch that. (laughs) Dude, it's terrible. Please message me as soon as you do. Yeah, you know I will. Tell me that you agree. (laughs) Like, this is terrible. And it's hilarious because he's, like, trying to act out the song, almost. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) It's terrible. (laughs) All right, um... All right, so let's move on to our next song. What do you have for us, Yayo? Ooh, I have a good old classic. Let's listen. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, what's up, man? Brother, what's up? This is a good big party, man. Don't need to escalate 
So that was What's Going On by Marvin Gaye from his album, What's Going On, uh, released in 1971. Um, And the main reason that I chose this song was because back in late May and June, this song was really getting me through this really crazy time um, that was happening in New York. It was basically um, right before New York was about to start reopening into phase one. And then, you know, the George Floyd murder happened and all the Black Lives Matter protests started happening. And I worked really close to Barclays and like all these places, like this, this area in Brooklyn which was like a lot of protests and I just remember like that weekend before we were gonna reopen they put us in curfew 
So, and curfew started at 8, and I always worked till 7, and I used to ride my bike home, and I was like, am I going to make it home at 8? And it was just like this, all this crazy stuff that was happening. Um, and I just remember I was at work, and someone put this song on, and I just remember hearing the words, um, what's going on? Don't punish me with brutality. And I was like, whoa, what is this song? <laughs> it just seemed very, very appropriate. And then I looked it up and I, um, and I discovered, uh, this album, which I don't think I had ever really like paid attention to before, but I know I had heard this song before. Um, so yeah, so this song really helped get me through, through that period in time. And, um, yeah, so What's Going On is the first song in Marvin Gaye's 11 studio album um, of the same name. Um, and it was actually originally written by Four Tops member um, Ronaldo Obi Benson. After witnessing police brutality and violence committed against anti-war protesters um, in Berkeley's People's Park um, in an incident that was later called Bloody Thursday. So this song was actually about police brutality. Um, yeah, and, but he felt that, um, or the people that he worked with felt that, like, the song was too, too much, like, about protesting, um, and people were like, you're supposed to sing about love, and he's like, I am singing about love, you know, <laughs> um, he, he, he was like, my partners told me it was a protest song. I said, no, man, it's a love song about love and understanding. I'm not protesting. I want to know what's going on. And I loved that, you know. Um, and when you listen to the song, it feels like it is about love and, you know, about understanding. Because even in the lyrics, it says, um, come talk to me so you can see what's going on. So it's about, you know, making more of a conversation and for people to really understand each other. Um, but yeah, but anyway, so reading, when I was reading about how this album was made, I, it was just so interesting. Um, you know, at the time, um, Gay was going through a really hard time. Like, he was divorcing his wife. He got really involved in drugs and all this stuff. And at the same time, he started um, writing letters with his brother, who was a Vietnam War veteran. Um, so he was inspired by that a lot. And um, during this time, yeah, he he met uh, Benson and they went golfing. And then he Benson sh showed him this song and he thought that Marvin Gaye could like, it would be more fitting for his band. So he was like, here, like, I want to give you this song. And Marvin Gaye was like, but only if you let me like tweak it a little bit. And he did. And they recorded this song. But... Marvin Gaye's people, like his producers and stuff, wouldn't let him produce it either <laughs> or like re uh, release it. Um, and but then he somehow got someone to, re to release it. Um, and to a lot of the producers' dismay, it actually like was really successful. And so then Gordy, uh, this guy named Gordy, who I think was his manager, um, then went up to him and was like, after it was such a success, and told Gay that like if he could record an album within 30 days, um, he could do whatever he wanted. And so this allowed for Marvin Gaye to like basically produce his own music. Um, and 
he made this album. It was recorded within 10 days between March 1st and March 10th. Um, and it's basically a concept album. So if you listen to the whole album, it's like the songs go in and out of each other. And each song um, sort of talks about a different topic. Um, the second song, I believe, is called... Um, uh, the second song is about, like, Vietnam War veterans. Um, he There's a song about Save the Children. Another personal favorite of mine uh, is called Mercy, Mercy Me, which is about the environment, um, which I was actually kind of wanted to choose that song as well. Uh, I was debating between that song and this song, um, especially considering all the stuff that's going on in California with the wildfires. Um, and... I was listening to Democracy Now! and hearing, like, about the skies and stuff. And, you know, in that song, he's like, where have all the blue skies gone? Um, and I don't know. And, yeah, and there's other songs that talk about, like, um, drugs and, like, other issues that were going on at the time. And if you listen to it, a lot of it still seems very appropriate, which is... A little bit sad <laughs> that we have a lot of these issues still going on <laughs> um, but the album itself it's really hopeful and a really really beautiful album and it's considered one of like the, the best albums uh, yeah it's crazy that you said that it was recorded in 10 days because to me this is the best Marvin Gaye album that's amazing. I had no idea that. I had no idea about the history behind the album. So thank you for bringing that. Yeah, no, it was when I was reading about how they made the album, I was like, well, this is like a whole thing. <laughs> and I just thought it was so interesting how all these executives at Motown were like, no, this is going to fail. This is terrible, you know, and then he got one of them to finally release it. And once it was a success, they were like, okay, we need more, you know, which at the same time is kind <laughs> of like, of course, because they just really want like hits and money, which, you know, but I mean, at least it, this beautiful like album was created, you know, y'all should really listen to the album in full. I had never done that until I read about how, how it came about, and I was like, ooh, and I li listened to it nonstop for like two days. <laughs> you brought up a curfew, and I cannot believe they imposed curfew on us. Like, to this day, it's still kind of like, what the fuck is happening, you know? Like, it was so fascist. Like, it was <laughs> like, you cannot leave. You cannot do shit. Like, if you go out and protest, you're basically, like, going to jail. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I remember, like, that was, like, the very specific weekend. It was, like, early June. And I was just like, what is happening? Like, we had curfew and then all these protests. And then we were about to enter into phase one to reopen because we'd been in quarantine for three months. And I was like, oh, my God, is the world ending? <laughs> yeah. I still feel yeah, very much like Yeah, that's what it feels like sometimes. Um when you you mentioned the fires and like the skies in LA have been like orangey and like the day just looks super gloomy and I remember I was overwhelmed by like other things like personal things so I went outside 
to like take deep breaths because that really helps me whenever I'm, I'm starting to freak out and I went outside to take deep breaths and it just smelled terrible and I was like even my fucking air sucks mm. and I felt this sense of hopelessness it was terrible yeah yeah um I've been like checking out I have a lot of friends out west because I went to school out west and um well a lot of family there too because technically I was born there (laughs) um Mm -hmm. but I'm just like how are you guys doing like you know I know I messaged you a couple days ago or something Mm -hmm. and then you know and it like because I I listen to the news every morning but I I only, like, get, I get my news either from Trevor Noah or Amy Goodman. <laughs> um, but I was listening to the news, and it just sounded, like, scary. And I was like, whoa, you know. And uh, so my heart out goes to all my peeps out on the West Coast. I love you all. Um, so, Yvette, what song do you have for us next? I have a song by someone everyone needs to be listening to right now. So let's go ahead and take a listen. Oh, I have ambitions, dreams, but dreams don't come cheap. I saw a demon on my shoulders, looking like patriarchy, like scrubbing blood off the ceiling and bleaching another carpet. How my house get on it? Why toy and body don't embody all the life she wanted? The baby just 19. I know I dream all black. I say not everything. I'm mortalizing tweets, all caps. They say they found her dead. One girl missing, another one go missing. One girl missing another, but niggas in the back quiet as a church mouse. Basement studio when duty calls to get the verse out. I guess the ego hurt now. It's time to go to work. Wow, look at him go. He really doubts to write about me when the world is in smokes. When it's people in trees. When George was begging for his mother saying he couldn't breathe. You thought to write about me? One girl missing another one. Go missing. One girl missing another one. Yo, but little did I know all my reading would be a bother It's trans women being murdered And this is all he can offer And this is all y'all receive Distract you from the convo with organizers They talking abolishing the police And this is a new world order We democratizing Amazon We burn down borders This is a new vanguard This is a new vanguard I'm the new vanguard That was the incredible No Name with Song 33 Um, It's a single, so it's a no particular album. When I was doing research about this song, or when I looked at the lyrics, uh, I got a link, a video on YouTube that said that this was a song she wrote for J. Cole. (laughs) I had no idea who J. Cole was. Anyway, I guess J. Cole dissed her in a song, so this is her song dissing him back. Initially, when I heard the song, I thought she was talking to a universal you like you have time to do this while george floyd is getting murdered and calling out for his mom you have time to worry about this shit when there's trans women being killed i thought she just meant like you know a universal you and now i know that she's referring to j cole (laughs) that almost made me want to change the selection of the song but whatever i think i'm just gonna keep it um, so a little bit, a little bit about No Name. Uh, no Name has a name. <laughs> Her name is Fatima <laughs> Warner. <laughs> Fatima Warner, and she is from Chicago, Illinois. And she became really popular after she appeared on Chance the Rapper's 2013 mixtape Acid Rap. So that's where she kind of started 
gaining notoriety. And following that success, she released a mixtape in 2016 named Telephone. And all the proceeds from that record were to fund her debut studio album, which is Room 25. And if you have not listened to Room 25, you need to sit down and listen to it from beginning to end. Because she is such a prolific rapper, it's fucking short. Like, she's not one of those rappers that raps, like, for fucking hours. Uh, (laughs) She literally has something to say, and she says it in a minute or two minutes. It's concise. It's beautiful. So Room 25 is only, like, 35 minutes long, and I love it. And it, it is noted for its sharp commentary on race, identity, sex, and politics. And it was one of the most critically acclaimed rap records of 2018. So check it out. And I think it's good because I'm not crazy about rap, but I'm crazy about this. So that says something. <laughs> um, so, so far, she she is like anti-capitalist to the core and she has made it a point to remain independent like she doesn't want to sign a contract with any record labels or she like basically turns down everyone who tries to make her a commercial hit because she does not want a cult following um she talks about this in one of her songs it might be room 25 album i'm not sure she has this song called Black Exploitation, and she basically doesn't want to become like every other gateway rapper who just basically sells out to pop music to become popular. She doesn't want to do that, um, and I love that about her. And she most recently, again, gained notoriety through a book club that she started. It's called No Name Book Club. If you have an Instagram follow her every month she gives new recommendations it's kind of like Reese Witherspoon's uh whatever club she has but this is for people of color (laughs) it's for everyone but she (laughs) it is a book club that she actually launched to educate herself and I saw an interview where she's talking about how she she was reading a book and then she tweeted about it and someone tweeted at her. I don't know how Twitter works because I don't use it, but I guess someone tweeted <laughs> at her saying like, hey, let's be pen pals. I'm also reading that book. And No Name was like, wait, like, oh shit, like it'd be cool if we can all have a conversation about like a specific book and like read it at the same time. And she says that she says in the interview, she was like, I was high as fuck and it sounded like a great idea. And, um, she, she grew up in a, in a bookstore. Her mom owned a bookstore. So she was always, she was constantly surrounded by books and she encourages people to buy their books from black owned bookstores as a fuck you Mm. to Amazon. So she's always telling, uh, her followers buy from POC owned bookshops don't buy from fucking Amazon, like support, support these bookshops that are having a really hard time staying afloat, specifically right, not like, they're already struggling in general because of e-media and e-books and all of that shit, and people just 
not reading, which is also a lie because apparently people are reading a lot again. I read a statistic maybe like in 2019 saying that a lot of people assume that because we spend a lot of our time online, people are no longer reading, but the rise of book sales is increasing. So that is awesome to hear. Yeah. And, yeah. And uh, so, yes, yeah, support your local POC owned bookstores um, and go to the library. <laughs> you get books there for free. If you can't afford to buy books, check them out. Um, I know a bunch of libraries are offering curbside pickup right now, but also there's e-media as well that where you can check out the books from your phone. Like you don't you don't have to move. You can just download the apps and put your books on hold. And another thing she shared. So I saw this interview that she did for Deezus and Marrow. She talks about the book club and they ask her about her rapping career. And she shares that she's putting music on pause right now because um, she wants to focus not necessarily on the book club, but she wants to um, educate herself, like take this time to educate herself. And she also doesn't like that her audience is predominantly white. Like she's tired of that. She's like, I don't want Mm. that shit. I want she talks about hip hop being dominated by white folks and mm-hmm. she she's like i gotta figure out a way how to get more people of color at my shows <laughs> so she's currently not making that much music uh i think song 33 was the last song she released like i said it's a diss to j cole and to be completely honest i have no idea who j cole is i had to google him uh, <laughs> i had to google him and then i had to like read a little bit about their feud so I'm going to give you, like, the Cliffs notes, basically. I guess he released a song where he talks about a girl who has time to talk shit about brothers that don't educate themselves when she should actually be using her platform to educate them, which is basically what she's already doing. Um, and he never says her name, but it is, like, heavily speculated that it is about no name. So, No Name wrote the song, song, th- song 33, about him, where she says, like, you have time to rap about me when George Floyd is getting murdered and asking for his mom. You have the time to basically waste your time on me when there's so much shit to worry about, so many things you can educate yourself about, and you're just dissing me. So when I was reading about the feud, I was like, wait a minute. She's complaining that he's taking the time to write a song about her when all this is going on. But she's basically doing the same thing, writing a song, dissing him and getting back at him. So I was like, okay, this this seems um, what is the word I'm looking for? Hypocritical, not hypocritical, maybe hypocritical. But anyway, she regrets writing that song. I read somewhere that she was like, I let my ego get in the way. And that's why I responded. Mm. It, of course, like, who wouldn't be butthurt if someone disses you? I mean, I would have been like, if J. Cole disses me, I'd be like, I don't even know who you are. So I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not offended. 
are you? I'm not offended because I have no idea who you are. Um, going back to the public libraries uh, thing I was talking about. So she grew up, like I said, uh, in a bookstore with her mom because her mom owned it. And she also uh, was a she was a public library patron. And that's actually where she started recording music. Um, I guess the, her local cool. library had a little studio, and she used that studio to start recording her first raps, which I think is amazing. Like, a lot of people don't realize the amazing resources libraries have. And, you know, she was just a community member who went in there and was like, I'm going to use the studio, and I'm going to record my EP and do my thing. Thank you, public library. It's amazing. Check out your local library's website. They offer so many resources. I fucking love libraries. I'm probably biased because I work <laughs> in public <laughs> <gonna> libraries. <laughs> but that's amazing. I like that she talks about that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah, so another thing I read, uh, going back to black exploitation. Like, she expresses a consciousness of her blackness and its meaning in the world. And she knows there's, like, a thin line between her veering into performative wokeness. Like, she thinks that stardom is gonna, like, turn her into that. And she doesn't want that, which is why she refuses to, like, sign with a record label or do anything. Because she's not about just, like, getting paid for the book club or getting paid... Yeah, it's cool to make money, but she doesn't like she doesn't want to profit in that way, if that makes sense. Check her out. She's <laughs> awesome. Like I said, she's super easy to listen to because all of her stuff is super short. It's not it's not long. It's great. Um, Thanks, Yvette. Of course. And let's move on to another song. Tú nos dices que debemos sentarnos, pero las ideas solo pueden levantarnos, caminar, recorrer, no rendirse ni retroceder, ver, aprender como esponja absorbe, nadie sobre todos, faltan todos, suman todos para todos, todo para nosotros, soñamos en grande que se caiga el imperio, lo gritamos algo, no queda más remedio, esto no es utopía, es alegre rebeldía del baile de los que sobran de la danza de mi amiga, levantarnos para desollevar, ni África ni Dominica, 
Tijou featuring Shadia Mansour from the 2014 album Bingo. And when this song came out, I was totally obsessed with it. Um, the lyrics from the very beginning just sort of grabbed my attention, um, which for me is like very rare. I'm like one of those people that like falls in love with the beat first and like I don't actually listen to the lyrics till like later. <laughs> um, <laughs> Even though, to be honest, the beat and the music on this track is also super dope. Um, yeah, but anyway, so this song, Somos Sur, translates to We Are the South and is an anthem of resistance for the silenced, the subdued, and the oppressed. Um, and one of the things that I personally love about this song is that it feels like a collaboration between people and cultures. Um Like, even in the beats of the music, you can hear, like, Latin American rhythms, but you also hear, like, an Arabic sort of flair to it. Um, you know, and I read this interview that the producer, the guy who produced the track, um, you know, was inspired by Baroque music. Um, and so I thought that was really cool. And also, um, this song features uh, uh, Sharia Mansour, who is known as the first lady of Arabic rap. Um, and she's also like a really cool like female MC. Um, she's British Palestinian. Uh, her family's Palestinian, but she grew up um, in England. Um, and basically, it's about like the struggle of like essentially the global South. Um, I was reading this interview that Tijou did with Rolling Stone, 
where she said that global resistance movements, whether in Latin America, Africa, or the Middle East, are fighting against the same patterns of violence that have repeated themselves throughout history, which means many of these groups share a similar set of demands. Um, and I feel like that's actually very true too, you know, like a lot of these countries like in Africa and Latin America, you know, it's fighting against um, imperialism uh, because these were colonized countries, um, you know, where land and labor were stolen um, and people were displaced. Um, and so, yeah, so that's why I love this album. And um, for those of us who might not know who Anna Tijoux is, Anna Tijoux is a French-born Chilean rapper. Um, I know we were talking earlier in this episode about the Chilean coup and her parents actually fled um, uh, Chile after the coup of 1973 and they moved to France. And so Anna was born there um, and she grew up in Paris and she first became uh, interested or she first heard hip hop um, in like inner city neighborhoods. Her mother was a social worker and she would take Anna with her to her home visits basically. And it's really cool. I watched a bunch of interviews that she did, but she talks about how hip hop for her felt like the land of the people who didn't feel like they had a land. And she talks about growing up around other immigrant children in France. You know, she's like, my friends were from Cameroon and Morocco, you know, um, which I thought was really, really cool. And I could identify with a lot, like being a child of immigrants, especially growing up in New York. Um, like I grew up with a lot of friends, like Chinese, Filipinos, you know, uh, p kids from the Middle East, like growing up around, you know, and sharing this identity of like being children of immigrants, but also like being from different parts of the world. Um, and yeah, and so, which I also, I love that she uses hip-hop um, as her platform, considering that hip-hop also started as a social movement, as a social movement um, in the 70s, in the si late 60s and 70s, you know, um, with, here in New York, uh, with African-American youth who were, like, trying to, who had no other way of expressing how they were feeling and feeling oppressed and stuff like that. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and yeah, and again, I also just love her because she's a badass female, especially like in a, like rap and hip hop tend to be more male dominated, um, as most things, to be honest. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, she, she, she's a badass female and she talks about these subjects like female objectification, anti-colonialism, feminism, and environmentalism. Um, you know, this album in particular has a lot of really awesome tracks. Like I personally, another one of my favorite is Antipatriarca, which is um, anti-patriarch, um, which is about like feminism, um, you know, and just there's a bunch of tracks. Another one of my personal favorites is like Vango, and she talks about, which is the title of the album. And she talks about like, here I come and I'm here to like decolonize like everything that I've been taught, you know, um, and to sort of like take back that identity um, that was taken from us. And I totally, totally identify with that as an indigenous person. Um, yeah, and another really cool thing about this album that I was reading about was um, that she started to use a lot of um, instruments that were native to Latin America. And I know in our 
cumbia episode, we talked about like the guido, uh, which are, no, sorry, las gaitas. She uses the gaitas here as well. And instruments called like el charango, which I actually don't really know what it is. I should have looked it up, but you know, and it was cool. I, I watched this interview that she did with Amy Goodman on Democracy Now!, who also, I love Amy Goodman, like, ugh, so much. And uh, she talks about, you know, as an MC, you would use, like, these machines and, like, electronic music, kind of. And she was like, you know, with this album, I really asked myself, like, in what moment did we begin to go blind about what was happening to us musically, you know? And I loved that, mm -hmm. you know, thinking about, you know, and I thought about that, too, just, like, for me. Um, and I know we kind of talked about, briefly touched on it in our Oaxaca episode, but like banda music and it's very much a part of our culture, but also like, oh, those instruments are actually European, you know, like what kind of music did yeah. we used to listen to, um, that our people like listen to, you know, produce and listen to and stuff like that, like way back before those instruments came. Um, yeah. So yeah, if you don't know Ana Tiju, definitely check her out. Bango is a dope album i was listening to it on loop for days <laughs> um, i love i love that album too i went to see her i think i mentioned it in the last episode when i um when i talked about the cumbia queers mm -hmm. who opened the show where i went to see her and to go back to the charango charango is an instrument that is indigenous to the andes so it was probably originated by the Quechua or the Aymara peoples. And it looks, it's basically a guitar. Oh, okay. It's a string, it's like a lute. Yeah, so it's like a, it's like a little guitar. Kind of looks like a requinto. Oh, so, okay. yeah, um, that's what it is. Cool. And another cool thing is that if you all have time to listen to Ana Tiju. Uh, listen to her song with Jorge Drexler. It's really good. It is called Sacar la Voz. I don't know if you've ever heard it, yeah, yeah. I have, actually. Really yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so good. I love seeing her live. Like, she has so much energy. Yeah, I've seen her live. She did a concert here in Central Park Summer Stage. They do free concerts and during the summer mm -hmm. <laughs> r.i.p there were none this this summer but they <laughs> usually get some really really great artists especially like latin artists um i think because mm -hmm. well not they're lesser known but it's like you don't generate as much crowd as like you know an american or an english speaking person but they i've seen anna tiju there i saw jarabe de palo there i think i called you <laughs> um when yeah. that happened <laughs> and then i also saw like jimena sariñana um so yeah, like Summer Stage has some really, they really always bring some really awesome Latin artists. Um, yeah. Yeah, so. Yeah. Cool, well thanks for bringing Ana Tiju to the podcast. We love her, she's amazing. Uh, I can't wait for concerts to be a thing again. Oh my God, <laughs> I know. I like, that's one thing that I really, probably that I miss the most. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, definitely. I used to like dread being like in a crowd, but now I kind of really miss that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wish someone would bump into me. <laughs> Never going to complain about that ever again. <laughs> so what do you have for us next, Yvette? I have our last song, so let's take a listen.
soy soy lo que dejaron, soy toda la sobra de lo que se robaron Un pueblo escondido en la cima, mi piel es de cuero Por eso aguanta cualquier clima Soy una fábrica de humo, mano de obra campesina Para tu consumo, frente de frío en el medio del verano El amor en los tiempos del cólera, mi hermano El sol que nace y el día que muere Con los mejores atardeceres Soy el desarrollo en carne viva Un discurso político sin saliva Las caras más bonitas que he conocido soy la fotografía de un desaparecido la sangre dentro de tus venas soy un pedazo de tierra que vale la pena una canasta con frijoles soy maradona contra inglaterra anotándote dos goles soy lo que sostiene mi bandera la espina dorsal del planeta en mi cordillera soy lo que me enseñó mi padre el que no quiere a su patria no quiere a su madre soy américa latina un pueblo sin pierna pero que camina oye no puedes comprar el viento Pa' cuando me sonrío La nieve que maquilla mis montañas Tengo el sol que me seca Y la lluvia que me baña Un desierto embriagado con peyote Un trago de pulque Para cantar con los coyotes Todo lo que necesito Tengo a mis pulmones Respirando azul clarito La altura que sofoca Soy las muelas de mi boca Mascando coca El otoño con sus hojas desmayadas Los versos escritos bajo la noche estrellada Una viña repleta de uvas Un Bajo el sol en Cuba Soy el mar caribe que vigila las casitas Haciendo rituales Y agua bendita el viento que peina mi cabello Soy todos los santos que cuelgan de mi cuello El jugo de mi lucha No es artificial porque el abono de mi tierra es natural Tú no puedes comprar el viento Tú no puedes comprar el sol Tú no puedes comprar la lluvia Tú no puedes comprar el
parte, lo mío es tuyo. Este pueblo no se ahoga con marullo. Y si se derrumba, yo lo reconstruyo. Tampoco me extrañeo cuando te miro para que te recuerde de mi apellido. La operación Cóndor invadiendo mi nido. Perdono, pero nunca olvido. Oye. So that was Latino America by Calle 13 from the album Entren Los Que Quieran. Uh, that was released in 2010. And I love, 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 love the song so much. It's so good. Uh, so Calle 13 is from Puerto Rico and it is made up of Residente, Rene, who's the rapper of the group. Uh, Eduardo, also known as Visitante, he mostly like does the beats and the production of music and I didn't know that their sister that it's not actually just two members it's three their sister Ile Ileana uh, is also a member and her name is PG-13 <laughs> PG also they're no longer together actually Residente just goes by Renena and Visitante goes by Cabra now he launched a new solo project and he's no longer visitante he is now cabra and they are named after the street they grew up in calle 13 they are all step siblings um so they all went to school together and i guess like their parents met and fell in love so they started living together and that's how calle 13 came about and they are known for their intelligent, poetic, and sharply pointed social and political commentary. They like to blend different musical styles like reggaeton, rap, and rock. And if you listen to their early stuff, they were very like urban reggaeton kind of style, which a lot of people give them crap for because after their first album, they became more politically conscious and their music became more about like protesting. Uh, I think, you know, honestly, I've liked them since the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> so no shame in that, I love them. And I chose this song because it just talks in general about Latin America. But before I jump into this song, I wanna talk a little bit about uh, the 2019 protests that happened in Puerto Rico. I don't know if you all remember uh, that big campaign, uh, Ricky Renuncia, in Puerto Rico last year, where Puerto Ricans took to the streets calling for their governor, Ricardo Rossello, to resign from office. And, like, he's been a piece of shit from the beginning, from day one. I think his father was also governor. So he was like next in line to become the governor as well. But what basically made people go out into the street were these um, chat messages that were leaked 
where Rosello and his inner circle are insulting women, gay people, and mocking like everyday Puerto Ricans and talking smack about uh, victims of Hurricane Maria. If you remember the hurricane, it happened in September 2017 and it was a category five hurricane. So it was really bad. It destroyed so many homes and there's still people living in the streets. There's still people struggling to rebuild their homes and the governor hasn't done anything to provide any help and neither has the u.s even though it's u.s territory like the u.s loves to tax them as like american citizens but doesn't provide them with the same rights i don't i think they also the stimulus check that every american citizen got puerto ricans didn't get that Mm. so that's super fucked up yeah so So hundreds of thousands of Puerto Ricans took to the streets and they filled up like the major highways in San Juan. So they basically put the city like at a stop. There was like no activity for days. And yeah, like I said, they're basically protesting for Rosello to to resign. And he did it, dude. He fucking resigned. They overthrew him and that's amazing like that has not been done in a long time that's insane like that they were able to do that like they persisted they were like "Uh, uh-uh, we are staying here we are protesting until this guy fucking quits initially he came out saying um i'm not gonna run for office again and people were like yeah we know that we're not gonna reelect you but we want you out now like we don't want you to end your term we want you out now and they did it dude that's awesome yeah yeah so when the protests began rene residente was in los angeles recording new music and he put his project on hold to fly to puerto rico and join his people and uh i got some quotes from an interview where he says like we have to reform everything We have to create a new party with new names. The people are asking for something new and we have to change it. So René is very, he is all for Puerto Rico becoming independent. Mm -hmm. Like he wants to depart from the States and he wants Puerto Rico to be like its own country. And I feel like a lot of Puerto Ricans want that too, but. Yeah. Yeah. So. He came out with a song with Bad Bunny. I don't know if you've heard it. It's called Afilando Cuchillos. I don't think I've actually uh, heard it, no. Yeah, so it's René, Bad Bunny, and Ile singing the song Afilando Cuchillos. And it's basically about how they want Ricky out. And he says in the song, I am explicitly telling you here, like in front of everyone, that I want you to get the fuck out. Not doing it like in a like a coward does via secret chat we're not hiding we're like making it very visible that we want you out um yeah so they're just talking smack about him the entire time like they call him like an unico de papi basically meaning daddy's little boy (laughs) like you're just as corrupt as your father uh but we're gonna take you down and that's that's what they did I think Bad Bunny and Residente were always at the protest. 
um, happening in Puerto Rico with all the people. So back to Calle 13. So the band mostly takes on social issues facing Puerto Ricans and Latinos and people all over the world. And like I said, Residente has no problem vocalizing the group's stance on certain topics concerning politics and discrimination. So back to Latin America, um, the song Latinoamerica features three women that you hear in the chorus. Wait, do you know their names? I think it's like Maria Rita, Susana Baca, and Toto La Momposina. So the song is a concise story of Latin America, and the lyrics talk about the richness of Latin American arts, culture, history, and society, while also offering a strong critique of the government. It basically says that it is a continent full of struggles, but that still has hopes. So I'm going to go over some of the lyrics real fast. In the beginning, he starts by saying, Soy lo que dejaron, soy toda la sobra de lo que te robaron which translates to, I am what they left. I am the leftover of what was stolen from you. And he's talking about colonialism. Mm -hmm. Basically, the arrival of the Spanish in 1492 and the U.S. And basically anyone that has participated in the violation of Latin American land. And another lyric that I like, Soy una fábrica de humo, mano de obra campesina para tu consumo. And that translates to, I am a smoke factory, peasant labor for your consumption. And in that, he's referring to the exploitation of labor and land and how you have companies who have their factories in Latin America contaminating the environment. You know, they prefer to open up their company, their factories in Latin America instead of their own fucking countries. And then you also have so many outsiders going into exploit the natural resources you know how like it reminds me of the when they tried to privatize water in bolivia i think it was nestle trying mm -hmm. to privatize water in bolivia um which is crazy you know how are you gonna privatize a natural resource like that that is well, insane but i i that's something that i also love about the song and like the the chorus is like tu no puedes comprar La lluvia, tú no puedes comparar al sol. It's like you can't mm -hmm. buy water, you can't buy the sun, you can't buy all the basically our natural resources. Um, yeah. You know, uh, and yeah, I, I love this song too. And just thinking about Latin America, I was, while I was doing my research for this episode, I watched, I was reminded of a book um, called The Open Veins of Latin America by Eduardo yes, I love, <laughs> love, love that book. Um, so I think I'm going to revisit that one. Um, and if you all have time and, you know, I would definitely highly recommend that book. <laughs> yeah. Uh, someone gifted that to me in Spanish and I read it in Spanish and not going to lie, it was really hard to read in Spanish. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I was going to say it. you read it in Spanish. I tried reading 100 Years of Solitude in Spanish. <laughs> yeah. I First got... of all, <laughs> I like... 100 I... Years of Solitude is hard to read even in English. <laughs> it is 
so boring. <laughs> I read it for two weeks in Spanish, and then I got to a certain point. And then I also had the copy in English, and I was like, mm-hmm. F this, I'm just going to read it in English. And I got, like, as far as I got in two weeks in Spanish, I got that far in two days in English. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I know. I feel like... We're going to get shit. I'm going to get shit for saying 100 years of solitude is freaking boring. But I read it and I tried to love it because it's such an adored work. Like, it's such an adored piece of literature that I wanted to love it so bad. But I couldn't. (laughs) (laughs) I like his shorter stories better. Yeah, it's like James Joyce. I could never get through a James Joyce book. It is, <laughs> oh my god, it is, no, it is not for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I tried to read it too because I know a lot of people love it. And I think Netflix is, was or maybe is still going to make a series about it. So I was like, I want to read it before it comes out. <laughs> but I didn't make it, I didn't make it through. <laughs> anyway, back to Latino America. The song, if you have time to look up the song and go through all the lyrics, like, we can talk for the song for an entire episode and break yeah. down each verse. Like, it's too much. Yeah. So that's why I'm only going to talk about those two lyrics. And just, like, listen to Calle Trece. They're so good. They're always talking about issues going on around the world, specifically Latin America. I know Rene last year launched the new CD. And I, one of the singles was basically about his depression and how he basically contemplated suicide. And it's a really vulnerable song where he talks about his life. If you have a chance to listen to that, that's really good, too. I really like him. Mm, yeah, I love him, too. And his lyrics are so, ah, they're so good. They're so uh, good. Oh, and I got to see him last year or two years ago. I can't remember. Shout out to my friend Eric who went with me to see them it was such a good show i don't remember half of it (laughs) (laughs) i do remember like bits and pieces but i remember that i had so much fun that night (laughs) (laughs) so i think that's it for today so thank you so much for tuning in today it was so much fun learning about different issues and Thank you for being patient with us throughout this episode because I feel like we were all over the place. I feel like I was all over the place. So thank you if you made it this far. If you made it this far, send me a message (laughs) 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 to let me know so you can get extra points in my book. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And yes, like explore explore more music, uh, like I said. I feel like music is a good way to to learn about what's going on in the world. Like, if you are too lazy to read and to <laughs> look at the news, I mean, maybe music can put you on to what's going on in the world. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And um, the struggle continues. And I think that music, as Amy Goodman put it, uh, music is the language of, of the world. Um, so yeah, there's no better way to learn than through music. Uh, yeah. And don't forget to register to vote. 
Well, I love you, Yvette. I love you too. Thank you so much for going on this musical journey with me. Of course. Keep learning a lot, so. Yeah. Alrighty, see you next time. Bye.